0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Welcome into an all-new edition of the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. Filling in for Pat Boyle, I'm Slavko Bekovic. On this episode, I'll be joined by Charlie Romeliotis, Nick Gizmondi, and Scott King, and we're talking NHL hub cities. Who would have thought back on March 12th that Chicago could be a hub city? What would it look like? Why does it make sense? And what is Mayor Lori Lightfoot's proposal like to the NHL? Is Vegas the lock as the other hub city? Or could it be Toronto or another Canadian city? We'll break all that down. Plus, we're now officially in phase two of the return to play protocol, which Blackhawks players are on the ice at Fifth Third Arena and who's on their way back to Chicago. And today marks 100 days without hockey. We'll go through what we miss the most about our favorite sport, and share some stories of what it was like the last day we covered the team back on March 11. All that and more coming up on an all-new edition of the Blackhawks Talk podcast.
0: Born in the Rockies, Coors Light is lagered cold for a crisp, clean taste. Filtered cold to ensure clarity and brightness, and packaged cold for peak refreshment. Because those who thirst for more deserve the world's most refreshing beer.
1: Before we dive into the hub cities that the NHL is uh, looking into, and we're expecting an announcement sometime, uh, potentially over the weekend, but most likely next week, uh, Gizmo's looking real tan. You've been you've been shooting him straight on the golf course. Clearly,
0: I played all right today too, boys. Not bad right now. <laughs> I got I got the summer golf rounds going. I'm I'm uh, I'm having a little bit of fun out there. That's for sure. It's nice to get some exercise. It's nice to get outside of the four
1: it's a tale of two quarantines. You got some of us trying to worry about working around our kids' nap schedules and the other of us working around our 18 holes of golf. Yeah, like
0: I got w- to
2: say thank I you. To <laughs> I was not golfing today. I was not golfing. And a big thank uh,
0: you to Scott King for for, for adjusting uh, his schedule to accommodate my 18 holes today. Thank
2: you. Oh, it's all thank good. You. Thank my uh, yeah. Thank my son for still – Still napping right now. Actually, it's a Not long a kid. one. Then let's Not get to no. it. Let's get <laughs> to it. Uncle Nichols Uncle send,
0: send some presents. <laughs>
2: um, so the the first and foremost, it's the
1: NHL hub cities. Is we've heard some rumors that Vegas is pretty much all but a lock, which means that there's a lot of uh, speculation around who would be the second hub city. And we heard Pierre LeBrun report earlier this week that Chicago's making a big push. Uh, Scott, you've got a piece on NBCSportsChicago.com about. Um, why some of those reasons that Chicago makes a lot of sense. and But, Charlie, I'll start with you. Um, certainly, we know Chicago has the facilities, and it, it all depends on the proposal, so to speak, that Mayor Lori Lightfoot has made to the NHL, what that would look like. Um, it surely sounds like the players are really leaning towards Chicago as, as another hub city along with Vegas.
3: Yeah, and obviously, I'm not surprised that Chicago is pushing hard to be a hub city because it does make sense – uh, they have the infrastructure, they have the rinks, they have all of the ingredients that they could be able to host this. Now, I was told last week by a league source that obviously the NHL is considering they, they're really pushing to get a Canadian city as one of the two hubs, right? Vegas is essentially a lock and it's trying to get this the second one nailed down. Now, the NHL is pushing for a Canadian city, but the, the NHL is also getting input from the players on where that second city should be. And I'm told Chicago is right up there on that list. So if there is not a Canadian city named as the second hub city, it is most likely going to be Chicago. And it's kind of crazy because I think all of us were surprised when we saw Gary Bettman's announcement, uh, you know, his return to play format, that Chicago is even under consideration. And now it's like they're a finalist. So it's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds because the players are the ones that are going to be taking a lot of sacrifice during this return to play format because they're going to be away from their families for weeks, months at a time. And so good luck telling them that they have to go to some location that they're not really fond of. So that's why I think the players are very fond of Chicago. And quite frankly, I don't think Chicago has to push very hard to be a hub city because the players
1: want to be in Chicago so badly too. Especially during the summertime, Chicago is clearly a destination do you feel like there is going to be a bubble city similar to what the NBA is trying to do in Orlando? I do. And, and, an, and another
3: reason why I think Chicago makes sense and why the players are so fond of Chicago is because they can't get away with walking on the streets in Canada. If it was in Toronto or Edmonton or Vancouver, the players kind of want to go unnoticed. They want to live in this nice city and be in this bubble city where they can walk around and not have to be bothered. And they can, you know, go to some, some places, some restaurants, however they they lay out the plan for them. They want to be able to enjoy themselves. So I think uh, I think that's why Chicago is right up there on their list. But the interesting thing is going to be if Vegas and a Western another Western Conference team is named a hub city, how then do you organize which, which teams go where? Because the NHL has is privately said they don't want Vegas playing in Vegas. Like they would have to go to the second hub city so they don't they don't have some sort of competitive advantage, but I don't know how that's going to work out if both of the uh, hub cities are from the from Western conference.
0: Well, I think it would depend. It, 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 let's say, let's just hypothetically here. I, my vote would be, I think Chicago is the perfect place uh, for the second option. I said right from the very beginning, when we first started talking about, potentially being in one place that Vegas was a, was going to be a sure thing. Uh, I mean, it makes a ton of sense. You can take over an entire hotel. And in fact, I know for certain that there are certain uh, properties, MGM specifically, uh, not the MGM grand, but MGM owns a ton of the hotels on the strip. um, Most of them within literally a two minute walk of T-Mobile arena. So Vegas makes a ton of sense uh, because you have tons of ice there that will be available. Uh, you've got uh, T-Mobile Arena right there. And then literally the the NHL could take over the entirety of a hotel, give each team a floor and be within walking distance of T-Mobile Arena. They don't have to get on buses. They don't have to get in cars. They don't have to do anything. The hotel obviously has the casino available to them, and they would also have, you know, a a copious amount of restaurants. So Vegas is a no-brainer, an absolute no-brainer. In terms of Chicago, what an amazing city. I mean, in the summertime especially, I mean, absolute – rockstar choice players love going there an abundance of restaurants an abundance of hotels that haven't had a ton of capacity so again same thing you could take over you could take over a, ho- a hotel on, on Michigan Avenue or in the West Loop or something like that and be in a very convenient uh location in proximity to the UC as well as all of the ice drinks that exist i mean there's 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 uh what is there? there's three sheets within walking distance of the united center and then you just go you know 20 minutes and you've got another you know four sheets of ice so plenty of ice uh, in both of those cities not a problem there so i think i think it makes a lot of sense i think the thing with canada is, is the potential of quarantining for 14 days and potentially being really super isolated in a small canadian town um if they don't pick like a Toronto. Um, but to touch on real quick, Charlie, the West coast thing, the only viable option I would see would be one of the three California cities because you don't have any of those teams in. So LA is not in Anaheim is not in San Jose is not in. So if you go to any of those three, you've got the same thing. You've got a ton of ice. You've got a lot of infrastructure. You've got big time hotels like Los Angeles, the Staples center. Um, you know, LA Live is is right there, high end hotel right across walking distance, and you can even there's even a tunnel that goes from I think the Mar- the Marriott to Staples Center. You don't even have to go outside. So like if they took that over, they could walk right underneath. Um, plenty of ice, obviously, in that area, same as in Anaheim. Not super familiar with what's around um, the SAP Center up in um, uh, San Jose, but uh, the, one of those cities would also be a very smart choice, and obviously Los Angeles. Orange County, very desirable to, to go and spend in the summertime as well.
2: Well, I think if they're sticking to two teams or two cities, uh, you know, one for the the West Hub, one for the, the East in terms of conferences, one of the reasons I think it still could be Chicago is the way that it was reported that it was going to be Vegas. You know, the Las Vegas Review-Journal, a legit newspaper, very reputable. But usually when you see big news like this, you're getting you know, all the NHL insiders are confirming a story. And I don't know if you guys have heard something beyond what I have, but you, you didn't see that in this case, you just got like a lot of hits like ours, like, oh, this is this was reported by this newspaper. So I wonder if someone told their reporter that it was very likely a league source. And then maybe someone went to confirm with some other league sources. And they said, No, we're still deciding they they are, you know, likely, but uh, could be someone else. So I think that was interesting, and no, no one else really confirmed or, or jumped on it. And uh, also, yeah, definitely Chicago. I mean, just you, you look at what the NBA is getting. I don't, I don't think wherever the NHL is, you know, I don't think there's going to be this dome where you, you know, today I saw it was reported instead of the bracelets for everything you get at Disney, at the resorts, they're having rings. Um, I mean, you don't just have insane. Mickey Mouse in you,
1: Chicago. No Mickey Mouse.
2: No, you don't. You don't. Those ears. Dead Mouse was here once, I think. But, uh,. Somebody
0: might have called me Mickey Mouse this year. I don't know.
2: (laughs) You're both very positive, and you're great with kids. (laughs) Very upbeat, Uh, very upbeat. (laughs) (laughs) But when you think about it, they're getting, like, you know, top food. The Yacht Club is one of the resorts in Disney. So, basically, you're going to have entertainment for the NHL players, and it's going to be, you know, top upscale hotels in Chicago. It's Chicago, and and it's going to be easy access for restaurants and, and movie theaters or whatever. But they are not going to get a uh, ahead-of-time screening of Mulan like the NBA players
1: <laughs> It sounds like the, the case count for any city that turns into a hub city is going to be very important, obviously, to the league and to the players. And that's one thing, again, that Chicago has going for it is right now, Illinois is one of those states in the northern part of the country that has cases really coming down. And they've flattened that curve enough to continue to advance through their phases of reopening. And right now you're seeing positivity rates at an all-time low since March, especially in the city of Chicago. And I think, Charlie, that's one of the reasons why the NHL is really waiting. I don't know if it's going to impact Vegas' chances. I know we've heard it's all but a lock. But Vegas, similar to, you know, places like Florida, Texas, California, those cases are starting to come up. And I wonder if that's a concern at all for the NHL and for the Players Association.
3: Yeah, and I think that's what... You know, essentially, they wouldn't go to these hub cities unless they did get approval from health officials and, you know, without talking to the the people that make those kinds of decisions. But, yeah, I I think Chicago really started to come to the forefront of minds, at least in America, because the NHL was starting to ask the the NHL Players Association for input on which cities that they would prefer to go to. So it's not like they're quarantined for, you know, two months or locked down in this bubble city, you know, without – Um, having some sort of input of, okay, like we can, you know, we can survive two months in Chicago, or we can survive two months in LA, Gizmo, like you mentioned, I heard LA was the second potential city right under Chicago. So those are the two I would definitely keep an eye on if the second city was, um, if, if they stayed in America
1: the I think the factor going against the Canadian cities as long as the NHL would want one I think we saw even uh, I'm not sure what the official title of the gentleman was in Alberta I think he's like a premier of Alberta he came out on social media and was like yeah I'm all about Edmonton and you know we're isolated here and but which NHL player is really going to want to go to Edmonton and be there for x amount of time Gizmo you're shaking your head because oh, it's an obvious answer uh, no I have no real desire to go there in the summer or in the winter
0: Hey, how apropos would it be is if, uh, if, if it is Chicago. I mean, they're the second city anyway. And if Vegas is a lock, I mean, let's make Chicago the, the, the second city of the NHL. Officially. No pun intended, Gizmo. So think <laughs> about the marketing. Come on. Do I have to do this for everybody? Let's go. Put me on the I'll, phone with the marketing team in NHL. We'll get shirts made up. I also wonder about the
1: potential of Vegas and Chicago. And this is maybe a little bit of a distant correlation, but um, Rivers Casino just finally opened up sports gambling online. I believe it was earlier this morning. We're taping this a Thursday afternoon. Um, So sports gambling is like a green light ready to go in the city of Chicago. What better way to really introduce people to legal sports gambling and, and betting in Chicago, than hosting a hub team for X amount of rounds of playoff games. It, it it certainly adds up when you, when you think of all those factors.
3: So what you're saying is put some money on the
1: Blackhawks when it opens, right? Uh, It, it's good news for all of us if they if they have a deep run, you know that's that's for sure.
0: You should be putting money on the Blackhawks in this playoff run, anyway. Trust me, do it, do it. And we're getting Charlie. You I'm know, talking to you.
1: <laughs> I don't think that's a lot, but that's okay. Well, we've heard Dave Tippett, the head coach of the Oilers, and and they've mentioned in the um, not that they're scared of the veteran presence of the Blackhawks, but you know, Scott, you've got a piece on NBC Sports Chicago. They know that Patrick Kane. Jonathan Taves, Corey Crawford, Duncan Keith, those guys have been there. And Gizmo, you've been a proponent of this and I'll give you crop, uh, props right now because you called Vegas a long time ago before that was ever uh, thought of as a hub city. And you've been really touting the Hawks for their veteran presence. And And it sounds like right now, you know, that mix and that balance in the room that like we've heard of for so long all season, maybe this is the time for the Blackhawks to come together after this layoff and there are a number of factors that are beneficial to the Hawks and to why they could get through Edmonton and and then who knows what happens after that.
0: All you got to do is get in. All you have to do is get in. I've seen it so many times. I I was up close and personal with it in 2012 when the uh, when the LA Kings barely got in. They got in by a point. They were ready at the trade deadline to sell the farm on the whole team. Dustin Brown was going to get moved out. I mean, it was it was looking it was looking terrible. They fire the coach, they bring in a new coach. They're going to trade their longtime captain and the darling of the team. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're Stanley cup champions and they go on an Epic run. So all you've got to do is get in. And, and I, and I think the veteran presence of the Blackhawks knows that, and they understand that. And this is where guys like Jonathan Tays and Duncan Keith and Corey Crawford and Patrick Kane are going to absolutely thrive. They're going to take this and they're just going to run with it. Patrick Kane and Tays and these guys, they're going to be motivated beyond a, motivated to make a statement here and listen I'll be very honest they heard all the negative all season long they did they had to live with it and now they're gonna now they're gonna be now they're in a in a a spot to to step up and be like oh look I told you so I can't wait to be I can't wait to say the same thing because I think the mix and the balance that is there right now is going to be be great. And then you're gonna have all these young guys excited about it. And then they have followed the lead of of Kaner and Taves and Seabrook um and Keith and Crawford all year long. So you're gonna have the the competitiveness of the docks and the Strom's and the Dubrinkets and the Bowquist really step up in this situation and be like, Yeah, let's go. Like we have a chance at this thing. And then, you know, I I'm very confident in their chances against Edmonton. They played them very good all year long. They had that one loss that was in Edmonton, and that was a tough road trip for the Hawks. But otherwise, they were very big, very decisive victories, in my opinion, against Edmonton all year long. And I have no worries about them uh, against the Oilers in this setup.
2: You mentioned the younger guys, Gizmo. On a conference call last week, Jeremy Calton actually kind of talked about the younger players and the newer players like they could be the X factor because not only, like you said, did they show some skill this season, but Calton was kind of pointing to that they've sat around this whole time during the pause and kind of reflected on the way they played. And, you know, you can assume they watch video and, and talk to the older guys. So like guys like uh, Boquist and and Kirby Doc, you know, they had some time to sit and think about how things went. And and certainly if you're having players like the vets run even some of these small group workouts or practices later on, they'll definitely share some more tips about what they've been through and what to expect in a big series.
0: Yeah, and don't forget about the play of Dominic Kubalik as of late, too, coming into that. You know, he's going to be he's gonna be anxious to get it going again. Um, you know, I think he should have absolutely been in the older conversation. And, um, you know, depending on how that shakes out, he's going to have a little chip on his shoulder, too. He's going to have something to prove. He's going to want to continue his run and his push. And, and then the Debrinkets and the Stroms of the world, they're going to want to have an opportunity to, 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 to crack at this. So you're going to see some bonding that happens. Uh, you, you know, this is where the strength of the room is really, going to show itself and i think you're going to see that that perfect cohesive mix charlie of 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 the vets and the new guys and the guys that are sort of new but not like the Stromes and the Debrinkets really thrive in the situation plus cory crawford's gonna give it a go you're gonna you're gonna see him be a major 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 factor yeah no question the, the core players
3: are, are for sure going to be re-energized and this is the kind of games that they're used to playing, you know, over these last nine years when they made the playoffs every single year and they went on these deep postseason runs, conference finals, Stanley cups. These are the games that they get up for. And it's going to, I love what Jeremy Colleton said on that, on that conference call last week, Scott, you mentioned it about the younger players. It really is going to feel like a new season for them. Like they're going into year two with this hiatus. And I know they didn't, have an opportunity to kind of hone their craft over the quote unquote off season. But Adam Bokus was one of the guys that was skating in Sweden this whole time. And so he had the luxury of continuing to work on his game and, and uh, you know, work out and I'm sure like, you know, build some muscle. So it's, it's going to be cool to see how they react to these bigger games when we do come back and play some hockey, because it's going to be like they're, they're taking that next step in their development. Whereas, uh, and also at the same time, Alex Dabrinkit, Dylan Strome, Connor Murphy, those players are kind of the, the bridge players from the veterans to the experience, but they also don't have any postseason experience either. So they're for sure going to be playing with the chip on their shoulder.
2: I wanted to point out real quick, Kubelik scored the last Hawks goal before the pause 30th of the season. So yeah, call their conversation for sure from me and from me as well.
1: Absolutely. If he finishes a distant third between Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, how can you not, as a 30-goal scorer in your first season in the NHL, go, why was I not more a part of this conversation?
3: Yeah, and I, I actually had him third on my ballot. And I know there were some people – I wrestled with Adam, with Adam Fox, but the, really the difference for me was Kubalik scored 26 of his 30 goals at even strength. Like Alex Ovechkin scored 32 his rookie year at even strength. Like, And, and obviously Kubalik was a healthy scratch twice. And there were also eleven more games to play, so he could have gotten closer to that mark. So that was that was really the, the difference that that separated the three and the four from you.
1: So I put League at number three. We're in phase two officially of the NHL's return to play protocol, which is voluntary workouts, not team mandated, up to six players for individualized training, and basically that's just a whole lot of um mumbo jumbo for saying team facilities are open to up to six guys at a time so we've seen since day one with the blackhawks patrick kane alex nylander malcolm suban and alex de have been skating dylan strome joined them a few days back and we've heard a lot of these players discuss over this break that one of the key factors in which team comes out ready to go and can make a playoff push is the teams that have been able to stay on the ice and keep in somewhat good shape as far as conditioning and then number two that camaraderie on the ice, working on special teams, stuff like that. So it's good to see Blackhawks players slowly filtering back into Chicago and getting on the ice together.
0: And real quick, uh, Bo- Boquist on his way back as of yesterday, so he should be wheels down in Chicago at, at any time here, and you can expect to see him getting involved with that in the next uh, in the next little bit as well. Yeah, now we're, now we're reaching the point where they're going to be exceeding that six-player
3: on-ice limit. So how do you divide the groups because – you know, I'm sure Patrick Kane, Dylan Strom, Dabrinkit, those three are inseparable. So they're sure going to be on the ice together. But you also need a goalie. And Malcolm Subban is really the only guy in Chicago right now.
0: Well, remember, remember now, how many times this season did we see the Chicago Blackhawks utilize two sheets of ice at the same facility? So you could, you could – you could do some intermixing here as well. You've got two sheets which are walkable at uh, fifth, third arena there. So if you've got six on one and six on the other, well, now you're sitting at 12, and it's very easy to interchange guys to go left and right and back and forth. And uh, suddenly, if you're, uh, if you're the Chicago Blackhawks, you technically have 12 people on the ice at the same time, um, just not the
2: same sheet of ice. I wonder how long that it's arranged in a way where they have to get Jimmy Waite in on the practices, in on the group workouts. Jimmy Waite's going to have to be there.
0: I would imagine that that is potentially happening very soon. Yeah,
2: very I shortly. I don't think that's
1: allowed, but yeah, I think the
3: official return team protocol
2: doesn't official, allow right?
1: for coaches. Yeah, I, I think.
3: What if um, your coach
2: yeah, has practiced all the time at morning skates?
3: <laughs> <laughs> but I do believe they can get some, you know, they can get some independent goalies you know there. I, I don't you know and well, that would want.
0: explain that would explain why i got an email um from the organization asking if i've ever played a net before if so we, if yeah. we stop
2: <laughs> going on again. why you why you got FedEx pads yesterday
0: <laughs> weird i got a whole bunch of goalie gear from bauer strange
2: they, they fit me perfectly this is odd uh no i think it's i think it's good that just that they're getting on the ice too because we've seen videos guys like Kane and Keith, we talked about on the show before guys that are somehow in their buildings or wherever, like getting in really good shape, probably, you know, lifting wise and cardio wise, but the ice is a huge difference. And we saw guys resorting to kind of roller blade, rollerblading and having rollerblades uh, made just for them. So I think just getting on the ice and skating, it looks like some of the photos the Blackhawks have put out, they're working on some things and some fundamentals in some situations, but it's gotta be huge for them to have almost two weeks already on ice, the guys that are participating.
1: The last thing I want to mention is the, uh, the underrated MVP of this entire NHL pause is Charlie's gift Twitter thread of yeah. days without hockey. And as we release this on Friday morning, it is day 100 without hockey, which is kind of crazy to think. Um, you know, we looked back and compared it to the, uh, the NHL lockout of twelve thirteen. it was 119 days and we are going to far surpass that by the time we get back on the ice. Um, and Charlie, you're going to have a, a wonderful piece on NBC Sports Chicago of what we miss the most about hockey. So, what do you miss the most?
3: Well, more so, I was getting ready to sit down to write this column, and basically, it's going to be what 100 days without hockey has been like for a Blackhawks reporter. And I found my Zoom self. Zoom. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> zoom. Zoom. That's it. I found my. I found myself diving into that that Twitter thread of like taking through the first night when I actually tweeted first night without hockey and then continuing that Twitter thread. And no way did I think that we would be getting into the triple digits of days without hockey. So it has been a grind and I have not officially decided what the gift will be in the morning between now and then. Obviously when this is released, it will be out already, but I'm leaning towards a direction and I think I'm going to go with it, but I'm still not convinced enough about it yet.
1: Can you give us a hint? Is there a tease? Oh, is it me, buddy? Did you find a gizmo? I was going to say it's my gizmo. Did you, you find, find a gizmo, gizmo in his
3: robe? <laughs> I'm sticking with the cartoon theme. Okay. So, it will be a cartoon theme. It is, I will say, it's a gift that we probably
2: have seen. Some of you guys have used potentially. So I'll leave it at that. You won't answer if it's in the Looney Tunes family or under the Disney umbrella?
1: I will not. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Um, well, you don't want to give away too much. He doesn't think that fast. That's keep at, me up all night. At C Romeliotis, for those of you who are listening to this and haven't gone to check it out yet. It's a it's a wonderful Twitter thread, as depressing <laughs> as it is at the same time.
3: But to answer your question, uh Slavko, what have I missed most? Honestly, it's it, like these last a hundred days have been so so challenging. And like I have to give it up to our team because we're, you know, the Blackhawks were one of the respectively, they were one of the teams that did not grant media access throughout this quarantine period. And they went through a lot of changes in between with the president and, you know, just other different things that would have been great to hear from players or people inside the organization. And the fact that we as a team put together a lot of great stuff, to be honest with you, I feel like we're really the executors, but there are a lot more people behind the scenes that pitch in ideas and and we just kind of follow through with them. So kudos to everyone behind the scenes. And I honestly, mostly, I just miss talking about hockey again, like that. I miss looking ahead to the games. I miss breaking down statistically what happened the night before. I miss following up with players and coaches on, you know, the fallouts from the game. So honestly, we all got into this business because we, we love hockey. We love covering the game. And uh, I can't wait to uh, get back to doing that.
1: Scott, you, you wrote a piece for us uh, a while back, and it seems like it's eons ago now. Um, yeah. Did you think it was going to get to this point where we're sitting here now in mid June, going, oh, we're still a ways away?
2: Not a hundred. I didn't have any clue, but not not a hundred days. That that is shocking. That number, triple digits, like Charlie said. And for me, I think I, I wrote about it a lot in that piece. You can, I think, it's just called what I what I miss about covering the Blackhawks. But it, it, for me, it was the day to day, like routine of it all. Because I really like Charlie said, you get in this because you love hockey and you just like, and I know, I know Gizmo does too. When, when I see him at the rink, you just like getting there and you're at the morning skate. There's like a calm, cool thing about the morning skate or you're, they're working on stuff with you're with your colleagues and uh, you're watching hockey in the morning. And then you go, you know, we like to go to the palace grill and have some breakfast and talk more hockey. And then you get, you're get there, you're working on your story, you're prepping, then it's game time, just the routine of kind of every little thing. I mean, it just, you know, eats the crap out of being in, in your house every, every day, which a lot of people are, are dealing with, with their own lives and, and, and jobs. And yeah, yeah, we, we love our job. And for me, I miss every single little thing about it. Really.
1: Gizmo, I know your list is probably extensive and you could probably take a full <laughs> podcast on your own about things you miss about hockey, but, but go ahead.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's my, it's my, it's my everything. I mean, I, I I've said it multiple times before. I owe the game of hockey, everything, you know, from the time that I, and I played triple a in detroit growing up to you know getting injured and then getting right into broadcasting at a a young age like my friends my family my everything has always kind of centered itself around hockey my my best friends you know play in the league um and you know this past summer was a difficult one for me when you know things didn't go the way that i thought they were going to go um in the city that i was in before here and then things turned and changed and you know the Blackhawks called, and, and and just the way that I was treated by you all, Um, and then you know by the organization, by 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 Rocky, Danny, and at the time John and Jay and Adam and Steiny, and um, you know and and Will and Lindsay and Mike. I was like, wow! Like, I mean, from minute one, I mean, I can. I told the story the other day on a podcast that I was on. And I remember vividly just walking up to the United Center. I was fresh off a plane from O'Hare. I was in a suit. I was come, I flew in from Denver right to right to the United Center. It was like September 15th. It was like the first uh, preseason game. And I was like this, this whirlwind. But I mean, I met everybody, including the three of you. And I was like, Jesus, I feel like I've known these guys my entire life. And I'm like, it must just be because I'm stoked to be here. And then you go two or three weeks. And I'm like, this is not like anything else I've ever experienced in the game of hockey before. And that was on down, you know, that was even the guys in the room and, you know, Stan and Al, and it, you just, it just kept going. And I was like, wow, well, okay, this is home. And I think the biggest bummer for me throughout all of this has been um, from the hockey standpoint, not, you know, obviously the the toll that this has taken on our our country and the world, but um, I miss my family, man. Like I like being around people, as you all know. And I really, really just miss getting to interact with you guys on a daily basis. I miss the chirps. I miss the fun. I miss the meals at the palace grill. I miss, you know, shooting the shit with Charlie and and bouncing stuff off when we're sitting in the stands. So, you know, I miss all of that extensively and I cannot wait to get back to it. I mean, I just, I will be, I will be the happiest guy in the, in the world. You know, I, I want to tell one quick story. I was, I was on the when I do the pregame interviews on the broadcast. I'm on the bench there, and it's it's cool because you you walk across the United Center ice, and the arena's still dark, and there's still fans in there, but the lights are out. And you you know you walk across the ice to I to that's where I go to get onto the I get to stand there for just a few minutes in the dark, and usually it's uh, a John Steinmiller who's who's with me on the bench, just waiting, and then obviously the players come out and they start to skate, and then they come over for. An, for the interview. And, and Steiny, uh, Steine, it was, I don't know, it was like month, like month three or four into the season. And he's like, and he'd been, we'd gotten to know each other. And I stand there on that bench and, you know, I lean on the boards and I got just the biggest grin on my face, the biggest grin on my face. And he goes to me, he comes down and he normally leaves me alone. Cause he knows like I'm in my headspace and I have my, my IFB in. So I'm listening to to Mitch Kirchner, our producer, and I listen to Foley and Edzo rehearse. And and uh, a Stein, comes down once and, and he puts his arm around me and I take my earpiece out. Cause I can't hear people talking to me when my earpiece is in. And he goes, he goes, gizmo. He goes, he goes, my favorite part about this is that you always have the biggest grin on your face when you're here. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, the 12 year old me's freaking out. Like I'm standing on an NHL bench in an unbelievable venue. The lights are off. Like the Chicago Blackhawks are about to take the ice. And then one of the players is, is going to come over and talk to me for you know for two minutes, and then go on with their warm up and play a game in the NHL. And I'm just like, I told Steiny, I said, if I'm ever not smiling down here, time to find me another job because I've, I've I've passed my expire limit. So I miss that. I miss all of that. I miss I miss my family. I'm sure you
1: speak for all of us. If you told teenage us what we're doing and some of the things that hockey has allowed us to do, you'd, you'd pee your pants. You wouldn't even believe it.
0: (laughs) No chance. I'd be like, yeah, right. Get a job, kid. Get a, get a real job. Charlie's still
1: pretty much a teenager though. So he's not that far moved. Still have eight. Turned 28.
0: (laughs) 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 We won't tell what my age is, Charlie,
3: you jerk. Before we wrap up, Big shout out to Slavko for that transition from outside to inside. after
2: <laughs> quiz, it Seamless. I looked and up intake. and he was inside. It was
0: nuts. He did. he did. Also, Jarlene Slavko, no sleeves. At least Kinger and I are a little bit professional, but this coming from the guy that was in a robe really in quarantine doing this. So
1: I don't know what happened, but mid-pot, I guess that someone wanted to just start chopping wood and uh, turning it into mulch or something outside, so I had to come inside. Um, and real quick, last thing next week, we'll have a lot more coverage on this, but I think we all expect Marion Hosa to potentially be inducted into the hockey hall of fame on Wednesday. That, uh, announcement is supposed to come sometime in the afternoon. Wednesday we will be all over that on NBC And of course the, my team's app, um, any final shout outs, any, any final thoughts from you guys, anything Hosa, Hosa memories. don't want to spoil too much no we'll get into that I was
3: just gonna say do
1: not forget to
3: rate us and review us I I feel like we've been getting a lot of feedback from fans lately and it's been really helpful for us getting getting that feedback especially on some of the parts and and seeing what you guys think of the podcast and how we've been trying to survive this podcast or this quarantine two episodes a week and continue to produce content so uh, we always appreciate the feedback from our
1: fans. The weather is getting nicer. Morale has improved a little bit. We've got some dates set in stone, July 10th, training camp, and hopefully we get some games coming back. So as always, we appreciate all the Blackhawks fans and any hockey fans that listen to our podcast. Like Charlie said, give us a five-star review. Helps other hockey fans find the Blackhawks Talk podcast. For Charlie, for Scott, for Gizmo, I'm Slavko Bekovic. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Blackhawks Talk
2: podcast. I'm Mike Tarico, and on the next episode of Sports Uncovered...
0: Sean Taylor had the big plays, the big hits, the big moments for the Washington Redskins, but that all came to a tragic immediate end in November of 2007.
2: He died saving the life of the two loves of his life. He died a man. Subscribe to Sports Uncovered for free wherever you listen to podcasts.